Hey everyone, this is Ellen. Episode 31 was our first ever live show at Cultivate in Jacksonville, Florida, which was so much fun, but I just wanted to give y'all a quick heads up that it was recorded live and outdoors. While I have tidied up the audio as much as I could, it's not exactly the cleanest, but it was still a really fun show, so I'm putting it up anyway. To set the scene, we are accompanied on stage by a beautiful Sudan-plated lizard, which was brought to us by our friend Miranda Lowry, to whom we are forever grateful. So without further ado, please enjoy our show, accompanied by the ambient sounds of a beautiful Jacksonville evening. And Christian Weatherford. And this is just the zoo of us. This is your favorite animal review podcast where we take your favorite species of animals and we rate them out of 10 in the categories of effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics. And this is a special episode because we are not at home in our office in our pajamas. This time we're wearing clothes (laughs) and we're looking at human beings that aren't each other. So that's pretty interesting for us. How are you feeling, Christian? Pretty good. Just a reminder, we are not experts, zoological or otherwise. We are experts in some things. (laughs) We're expert in blankets, but we're not zoological experts. But we do a lot of research to make sure that we're bringing y'all really good information and we're learning a lot about animals. So by all means, if we get something wrong, let us know. Yeah, we have a couple of experts in the... This is not a room. In the space. So (laughs) people who know more than us in the space. So... Also, by the way, we are recording this for our next episode on the regular podcast. Yeah, this is going to go up. So if there's anything that you can't hear, <laughs> it'll be recorded and it's going to go <laughs> up in the feed. So so you can listen to this later if you want. So, Ellen, who's first? Me. I'm first this week. What do you have? <laughs> <laughs> I usually want for him to like lead me into this segment and ask me what I'm talking about this week. Um, But as you can see in front of me this week, I'm talking about the Sudan-plated lizard, also known as the Great-plated lizard. This is Orion. You guys say hi, Orion. And Orion comes with courtesy of Miranda Lowry. Can we have a round of applause for Miranda? So Orion is a Sudan-plated lizard. I'm getting my information on this animal from the Cincinnati Zoo, as well as the Journal of Experimental Biology. So as you can see, they're roughly two feet long, or around 60 centimeters. They live in rocky deserts in eastern and southeastern Africa, hence the name Sudan-plated lizard. Their taxonomic family is called Garosoridae. I like that. I think that's cool. It's got that sore in the name. It's very dinosaur-like. He looks like a dinosaur, doesn't he? He, He's a good boy. (laughs) Clever girl. (laughs) This is a boy. Oh. Clever boy. Clever boy. Clever boy. Speak up. I can't hear you. Okay. I made a Jurassic Park joke. (laughs) (laughs) So they're... they're, uh, (laughs) Thanks. It wasn't good. Don't worry. You didn't miss anything. <laughs> they are related. So they, they look like skinks, right? Have you seen skinks running around outside in your backyards? They look like skinks, and they're in the same infra order as skinks. 
but they're actually more closely related to spiny-tailed lizards. If you've seen those, they're the ones that look like dragons. They look straight out of Game of Thrones. But this little guy is a plated lizard. And there's other types in his family, too. This is just the one that we have access to today. So I'm going to get right into my ratings for this little dude. I'm going to start with effectiveness, which, if you've never listened to us before is our physical adaptations that the animal has that gives it a better better ways of doing what it's trying to do, accomplishing its goals. I'm giving the Sudan Play Lizard an 8 out of 10 for his effectiveness. So the first thing I want to talk about is his osteoderms. These are the, the spikes and scales all along his body. These are called osteoderms. So these are actually a type of scale that's made out of bone tissue. So it's bone. And actually in the front... On his head, the osteoderms in his head are fused into his skull, so they can't be taken off of his head. So so if we saw a skeleton of one of these animals, we would still see that patterning? It, this, like, the, the scales on top of his head, they would be part of the skull. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, actually, like, a lot, for a long time, scientists had a hard time kind of analyzing the animal's skull shape because they couldn't get through the scales because the scales are part of the skull. So it's really, really cool. Um, so you also find osteoderms on alligators, on other types of lizards that have osteoderms. There's even some frogs that have osteoderms and armadillos. Uh. Yes. So even armadillos. Armadillos are the only mammal, the only living mammal that has osteoderms. There used to be some. They're not here anymore. Armadillos are the only ones left. <laughs> I'm really curious about the frogs with an osteoderm. Well, <laughs> Google them. I will. <laughs> not right now. No, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Leave it alone. <laughs> so what we, what I was thinking about is that since the, since the scales are fused into the skull, I was thinking it kind of gives them a helmet they can't take off. Not unlike the Mandalorian. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working on that one for a while. I guess he can take it off, but. Don't want to. No, I don't want to. So if you look closely, I don't know if you can see him if you're back there, but if you look closely, there's a gap between the scales on the top and the scales on the bottom. So what, I was just joking around with Miranda earlier that, you know, when I first heard of them, I heard of the plated lizard. I assumed that the plated part of the name comes from the fact that he has these scales that are shaped like plates. But then we were looking at them and we were like, maybe it's because he looks like he's served on a plate because it looks like you could just pick the top part of him up and there's like a, a, another layer of scales on the bottom. <laughs> what you got? I, or do, you, do you mean it looks like it's two pieces? Like yes. A, like a butter dish? Yeah. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? Yeah. He looks like he's served on a plate, and so he looks like you can pick him up. But that's actually just a gap between the scales. It gives him a little bit of flexibility so he can move around a little bit better, and it also lets him grow and expand. So as he's growing, that gap lets him fill the space. So um, the grayish-brown color of these scales gives him really good camouflage, which he demonstrated earlier as Miranda had him sitting on the arm of the chair. And I looked over and I was like, oh, no, where's the lizard? Like, where did he go? And he was just chilling there. So very good camouflage. I think that gives him a little bit of a bonus. I think that makes him pretty good at hiding from predators. What's also cool about osteoderms, oh, he's falling asleep. Look at him. He's just, he's resting. <laughs> osteoderms are really good at transferring and dispersing heat. So for a reptile that needs to bask in the sun and, and let heat all over their body, the osteoderms are really good for spreading that heat around. So it's really good. I think they're, that's a pretty cool little innovative function that he's got. Um, something that's really interesting, pl plated lizards can drop and regenerate their tails. 
So mm. this big, big, chunky, thick tail can drop right off, and then they can regrow it and generate it. There's a word for that. It's called autotomy. Autotomy. Oh. Autotomy. Huh. It's one of those. I'm just going to pick whichever one's right, and I'll cut the other ones out. It's okay. <laughs> um, so, of course, it's really stressful for them to do that. Don't do it if you don't have to. It's not good for them. But if they're in a pinch and they absolutely have to, they can drop their tail and run. And Miranda can attest that they're pretty quick. <laughs> so is that to increase their speed? <laughs> Are they dropping weight so that they can move quicker? No, I think it's that like if the predator has them by the tail, right? Okay. If it's like a grip, then they can drop the tail and then... I bet they would move faster still. I bet they probably would. So we, we talked about the Komodo dragon a couple weeks ago, and they vomit their food to lighten their load so that they can run faster. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wondering if it's kind of like that. Maybe it is. It's a pro strat. <laughs> it is. I mean, it works. It works pretty well. So another interesting thing about the plated lizard is that he is omnivorous. So he does eat um, insects, small animals, stuff like that. But he'll also eat plants. He'll eat, like... Um, foliage he'll eat. Uh, Miranda was saying that, that she feeds him bananas as a treat and that they like bananas and, and they like to eat fruits and stuff like that. So, so yeah, they're, they're omnivores, which I think is really useful for an animal. I always give an animal effectiveness points for being an omnivore because the less you limit yourself to your food options, I feel like the better off you're going to do, right? Sure. Unless you're in the middle of the ocean. Unless you're in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> I mean, it could be a detriment to you there so if you look really closely um lizards have ears did y'all think about this i had never thought about lizards having ears because you look at them and they have that streamlined shape but they have ears and the ears are these slits on the sides of their heads and the plated lizard has really big ears for a reptile like they're usually not that big they're usually like you can't see them very well because they're very small the plated lizard has these big old ears so he's actually pretty good at hearing he could probably even hear christian when he talks I don't speak very loud. Stop it. <laughs> I have to do a lot of boosting his levels. So that wraps up my 8 out of 10 for effectiveness for the plated lizard. I think they're pretty great. I think they're pretty good. For ingenuity for the plated lizard, I'm going to have to like kind of get Miranda's okay on this because I feel bad saying it to his face, but I gave him a 6 out of 10. Does that seem fair? I gave him a 6 out of 10. Okay, lizards are like... They're okay. They're okay. So they like to hang around termite mounds where they're going to find their bugs that they like so, to eat. So real quick, what, what, what do we measure with ingenuity? I'm so sorry. I, I'm just assuming that everybody here has listened to every episode. Sorry. Ingenuity <laughs> we define as behavioral adaptations that let an animal figure out the problem it's trying to solve every day. Let it like um, solve puzzles, tool use, you know, figuring out cool strategies of doing stuff. So um, like I said, six out of ten. They hang around termite mounds. They also live underground in burrows. So in his little cage in here, there's a little dog bed. <laughs> this is his travel cage, but he's got a dog bed with this log on it. And he's been burrowed under it all day long. Been really enjoying that. They will dig tunnels for themselves, or they'll burrow in tunnels that somebody else dug. And they'll just live in there. Something that's pretty cool is that they will share burrows with other animals. Not just other plated lizards. It could be other, other types of lizards. It could be snakes. It could be a mongoose. They will just... Just be like, listen, you got your space over there. It's fine. They'll share burrows. They don't care that much about it. This is like, I feel like everything just comes back to how chill this dude is. Like, he's just so <laughs> cool with it. 
I mean, he's, he's like actively falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yelling at him, and he's like, mm, "This is yeah, fine. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do your stupid show. I don't care. It's fine." <laughs> so he's falling asleep. So he's very, very chill. I love him a lot. So, um, I read the study on how they eat their food that I thought counted for their ingenuity. And the study was from the Journal of Experimental Biology in April of 2009. And it is called the Locomotor Feeding Coupling During Prey Capture in a Lizard, Gerasaurus Major, and the Effects of Their Prehension Mode. So being omnivorous, they rely on two different methods of what's called prehension, which is how they get food into their mouth. So for humans, we have our lips that bring food inside of our mouth, but we also have like our jaws. We could use our jaws to grab things. So most types of lizards that are not omnivorous just use one. They use either jaw prehension, which is just grabbing stuff with their mouth and eating it, or tongue prehension, which is what a lizard or a, a chameleon does, where they shoot their tongue out, grab something with their tongue and eat it. They usually just pick one. But this little guy does both. And he picks and chooses which one he's going to use based on what he's eating. So if he's going to eat something that is alive and is fast, then he will grab it with his jaws. And that's it. But if he's eating something that's like a banana or maybe it's a mealworm that's not moving that fast, he'll just grab it with his tongue. He's not going to like lunge at it with his jaws. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I wasn't expecting him to have like a... A sticky tongue? Is that what it is? It's like some of it is like a, an adhesive like substance, okay. but some of it is just like pinning the food to the top of their mouth with their tongue. Huh. Yeah. So um, I thought that was pretty cool that they like are able to look at their food, be like, this food's not going anywhere. I can grab it with my tongue. Or they'd be like, this is moving. Like it's like a, a cricket or something like I need to grab it. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. So they like to strike their prey from as above as they can get. So they will um, use their forelimbs and their neck to raise their head above their prey if they can and strike down on it from above, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, so the good old high ground technique. Yes, obviously. <laughs> it can't be beat. So what's interesting is that they will kind of um, like change their angle of approach based on what kind of prey it is. So a little bit more clever than I expected them to be. Like usually when you think of a lizard, you think it's just going to like lunge at whatever it's trying to eat, but they're kind of thinking about it a little more. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, another thing that they do is they can use that big thick tail as a whip. So they will lash at something that's trying to fight them or something that's trying to attack them. They'll just to get at it with that big spiky tail or they will raise it up in the air to make them look bigger, to intimidate their attackers. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen him do it. Have you ever seen him do it? Uh, he whips his tail. He whips Yeah. So they 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 know how to use their tail a little bit. They'll they'll that combined with like dropping their tail. I feel like they're getting some usefulness out of it, other than it just being there. Yeah. I, I like the imagery of this little guy. Just like I'm big and mean. <laughs> <laughs> I know he doesn't look like he could. Um. So I thought that was pretty cool. So another method of evasion that they can use is they will. So I mentioned that they live in rocky deserts, right? So they're living in a space where there's lots of um, jutting rocks and stuff. There are a lot of little tiny narrow crevices, and they will wiggle their way inside of there. And there is at least one account of them sucking up air and filling their lungs to fill up the space so that a predator can't get inside to grab them. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I can't prove that, but <laughs> it was mentioned that they have done it at least one time. So they like to just kind of wedge themselves into narrow crevices and hide from predators. So I thought that was pretty 
pretty clever. It They're is. good at getting away. It's like ballooning yourself, basically. Yeah. Huh. So that's my six out of ten for their ingenuity. They're they they have some clever things. It's maybe not on a mammal's level. Sorry, hate to be biased, but <laughs> he is he's still a lizard. So for aesthetics, I didn't take notes on aesthetics because I wanted to judge him in person, and he's in front of me, and I can't give him anything less than a ten. He's right in front of my face. <laughs> I can't. I I can't call him ugly to his face because he's not. He's very beautiful. I I would give him a ten. I wouldn't hesitate. What do you think? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Ten out of ten. Boy. He's a good boy. So to wrap up, I got. Uh, he is not evaluated, but for his conservation status, so the INCN hasn't done any sort of looking into whether they're endangered or not because they're very popular pets so due to their very as you can see docile nature is a very chill lizard they also have a very flexible diet like being omnivorous they're pretty easy to like give them you know you can give them crickets you can give them mealworms you can give them cockroaches but you can also give them little bits of fruit and things like that too so it's 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 you know they're pretty feedable right you're not gonna have to go out and buy any like exotic food for them However, they're really difficult to breed in captivity. So you, most of the captive lizards that you'll find are caught from the wild. So they came from Africa and were caught in the wild and then brought into the pet trade. So I think Miranda mentioned that this little guy is from the wild, which you can see kind of, um, she pointed out to me this morning that uh, if you look, you can kind of see some dings and scratches on his, on his scales from, from roughing it out in the wild. So, so I, I would imagine this guy came from Africa, maybe. Sounds right. I know he came from Pensacola, at least. <laughs> so he's a he's a good boy. And those are my notes. That's the Sudan-plated lizard. Awesome. Thanks, hon. You're welcome. <laughs> Very good. Do you want him to stay up here? Or... <laughs> he's not going anywhere. All right, baby, what you got for us today? So today, for all of you and our listeners, I'll be doing the orca. And that, <clears throat> also known as the killer whale, or blackfish, and strangely enough, murder panda. You made that up. I did not. Someone did. <laughs> <laughs> the murder panda. I'm not sure how reliable that is. I'm sure someone calls them that. I'm. Me, I do now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna put that on our like cover for the episode. So scientific name is Orsinus orca. This species was submitted to us by Miranda Love. Julie Gilson and Oliver Pate. Oliver Pate, where are you at? There you go, bud. Hey, bud. (laughs) I unfortunately do not have an orca with me today. (laughs) Get on my level. (laughs) Step up your game, Christian. (laughs) Or do I. (laughs) So I'll be getting my information from marinebio.org. NationalGeographic.com and the Cetacean Research and Rescue Unit found at CRRU.org.uk. So I think a lot of us know what orcas look like. They are very big, and black and white. The top side of them is black mostly with white spots behind their eyes and behind their dorsal fin with their underside being also white. So let's talk about how big they can get. They're about, they can get 23 to 32 feet long. Uh, or seven to nine point eight meters. So, Ellen, could yeah. you could you help me demonstrate how long that is? Yeah, <laughs> let's let's see how big is this. Here, Christian has handed me a tape measure. So, if you could just take that, however long it goes. <laughs> yep. All right. So that's twenty-five feet. 
So that's about how long an orca whale can be. <laughs> and they weigh around six tons. Now, according to the Guinness World Records, the largest one came in at 9.8 meters long, or 32 feet. That's almost as long as a bus. And they weighed 10 metric tons, or 22,000 pounds. So that's almost the length of two average cars, and also heavier than the average African elephant. It's a big animal. So where you'll find these is in all oceans, but you'll find big, biggest concentrations in colder waters, like off the coast of Antarctica. They belong to the taxonomic family Delphinidae, which are the oceanic dolphins. So you might be wondering, but Christian. But Christian. <laughs> they're called killer whales. But Christian, they're called killer whales. <laughs> <laughs> so they are actually dolphins. And I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about terminology between whale, dolphin, and porpoise. <clears throat> so whales consist of two different groups. There's baleen whales and toothed whales, and dolphins and porpoises are all toothed whales. Uh, therefore, all dolphins are whales, but not all whales are dolphins. So it's correct to say killer whale or refer to them as a dolphin. Let's talk about their diet a little bit. What do they eat? So this is an apex predator. It is at the top of its food chain. Nothing hunts it except for humans. But Yikes. Not so much nowadays, but uh, still happens. So they eat fish, squids, seabirds, penguins, seals, sea lions, and even other whales. So this is actually where the name comes from. So killer whale actually used to be whale killer because they were observed eating other whales. I didn't know that. Did it come from like one of the languages where they put the adjective before or after the noun? I don't know. <laughs> I wonder if that was what happened. That's, it may, may have been like a direct translation. <laughs> but like that makes a big difference, right? Whether you call it a whale killer or a killer whale. Yeah. That's a very small, like, a very small tweak that makes a big difference. It does. Because that turns it into, this is something that kills whales, to this is a <laughs> whale that's going to kill me. That's a big difference. Which, I'll talk a little bit more about that latter scenario <laughs> towards the end. We have kids here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and there's actually two different kinds uh, that refer to resident and transient orcas. And that refers to where they stay. So resident pods prefer fish, whereas transient pods prefer marine mammals. And the a little fun context here, they have been observed sometimes eating moose. Nuh-uh. <laughs> yes. Have y'all seen a moose before? We're in Florida, so I think a lot of us probably have not seen a moose, myself included. But when you... Have I seen a moose? Sorry, my mom's here. She's fact-checking me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they eat moose along with other terrestrial animals that will occasionally swim in the water. So moose in particular because, one, they're, they're known to swim from island to island around the coast of Alaska. Ridiculous. But also to dive and eat seaweed-type plants. That blows my mind. <laughs> that drives me crazy. Thinking about a moose, like you're a you're a diver, you're out there like swimming around in the water, and you're like, oh, what is that big? Oh no! So, oh so, no, that's a moose. So yeah, one, you're gonna be scared by the moose, <laughs> and two, you're gonna be scared by the big apex predator. <laughs> <laughs> that's coming to hunt the moose. <laughs> you see the moose, and you're like, surely nothing could eat that. So at that point, you you merely need to outrun the moose. <laughs> 
outswim the moose. <laughs> so I don't know if this has ever been directly seen, but they've found the contents of orcas to contain pieces of moose and deer and the like. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> That's too much. I wish you hadn't told me that. I'm way more <laughs> I'm way more scared of orcas now than I was when you started. Honestly? <laughs> It's kind of justified, but they, they, so they reside in pods of up to 40 individuals. Now I'm going to jump into the rating system, starting with effectiveness, just like Ellen. I'm going to give a solid 10 out of 10 for effectiveness to the orcas. I don't think it could have been anything other nope. than that. Nope. <laughs> I'm not being extorted by an orca. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a blink if you're being held captive by an orca? All right, so first, my points I want to give is for their teeth. So their teeth are conical, and they are up to four inches long. <laughs> Christian has a tape measure. So that is a tooth that long. Goodness. And a jaw full of them. Oh, jeez. So conical, uh, rather than being flat like a shark's tooth, like a great white shark tooth. Speaking of which, that length is about double the length of a great white shark tooth. To give that some perspective. Get wrecked, great white sharks. <laughs> Those are also among their <laughs> their diet, by the way. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they've got these big teeth, and they're fast. So their swim speed can be up to 55 kilometers per hour or 34 miles per hour. That's quite a bit. So to put that in terms of physics, that is something the mass of an elephant mm -hmm. traveling at the speed of a car in a neighborhood. <laughs> that's that's, not... that's a lot of momentum yeah <laughs> so they like to swim up to 40 miles a day or 64 kilometers and they like to dive 100 to 500 feet or 30 to 150 meters several times a day every day it kind of gives you the, the idea of what they do for exercise the next point i'm going to give them is for their strength um what i put here is they are best at flip cup ocean <laughs> edition <laughs> There are lots of videos of these animals just flipping animals with their tails. <laughs> just yeet that moose right out of the water. It's insane. <laughs> so you'll see them launch fish like 100 feet out of the water and back down. I'm not sure if this is a hunting technique or a fun technique, <laughs> but they can do it. They don't even have to. They're just doing it for giggles. <laughs> Very strong. And finally, for effectiveness... They use echolocation, like a lot of cetaceans can do. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. I don't think I knew that they did that. Yeah. Huh. So they use echolocation, and for those not familiar, what that does is they send out sound. It goes out through the water and bounces off of some, something, a prey, bounces back to them, and then they can tell where that thing is, what shape it is, what kind of, like, what kind of prey it is. Whether it has antlers and is <laughs> roughly the size of an SUV. <laughs> <laughs> yep all of those points <laughs> so yeah effectiveness 10 out of 10 moving on to ingenuity also giving a full 10 out of 10 for ingenuity man so these are very intelligent animals uh, they communicate with each other with whistles and clicks and some but however sometimes when they're hunting they go quiet can i hear an impression nope. real quick nope. oh <laughs> Can I take a vote to see if you should do an impression? <laughs> this is not a democracy. <laughs> <laughs> but so some of them have been observed going quiet while hunting and particularly hunting uh, aquatic mammals because they don't want to give themselves away. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Because a lot of the sounds they make can be heard by a lot of those other animals. Sure. So it's very interesting they do that. They're very social. They're in tight-knit family groups. 
they learn from each other and they teach each other hunting methods and those are passed down from generation to generation. I thought that was pretty crazy. That is. I know, uh, I know that crows and ravens do that too, right? Yeah. Where they'll like teach their babies mm-hmm. to do the stuff that they do. Yeah, so it's not just something they know naturally. It's something they are taught from generation to generation. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, they, they use what I like to call pack tactics. <laughs> uh, they work together when they hunt. They so, do. So that could mean uh, trying to group fish together to make them easier to catch. Or when they're hunting other whales, they'll try to separate the adult whales from the younger whales. Oh. Yeah. To go after the smaller, younger whales. Oh, that's rude. It works. <laughs> <laughs> they actually do this with blue whales. No, they don't. They do. A blue whale. Yep. All right, well, we're going to need a new tape measure. <laughs> I don't think we can measure out a blue whale. <laughs> For those unfamiliar, blue whale's largest mammal on the planet. Biggest animal on the planet Probably, right now? yes, if you're not including... Yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody yeah. Google it. <laughs> Take my word for it. It's the biggest one. So they don't usually go after the adults, but they will try to separate the adults from the young to go after the... Still not a small target. No. Big. Goodness. Yeah. They, they've been kind of nicknamed the wolves of the sea because of those pack tactics. And I agree. <laughs> They'll even go for prey outside of water. <laughs> now they're stepping into our turf. <laughs> so this is known as a high-risk, high-reward move. <laughs> <laughs> you got to risk it for the biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll actually temporarily beach themselves to go after things that are in very shallow water or right next to the shoreline. You'll see lots of videos doing this They're coming for the orca whales. <laughs> <laughs> they do what now? <laughs> So yeah, they'll they'll temporarily beach themselves to get at penguins that are very close to the water and other animals like uh, seals and whatnot. Uh, But what I found most interesting is they'll go after animals that are on ice flows or pieces of ice in the colder regions of the planet. So they, they can try to tip the piece of ice or they can even go on top of the ice to grab them. But if it's a particularly large piece of ice, what they'll do is they'll form up in groups, swim side by side, swim very quickly right under that ice to make a wave that washes the seal, for example, right off the ice. Knocks them clean off. It's insane. Yeah. Incredibly intelligent. Get owned. (laughs) Um, It seems they like to play with their food. So I compare this to house cats. Uh, we, we have a house cat that likes to do this. <laughs> he does. <laughs> He's a jerk. <laughs> I think from a human perspective, we, we might describe that as cruel, but I'm going to try to not prescribe human uh, concepts to it. <laughs> they have different moral structures from us, probably, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And um, earlier I mentioned a blue whale. There's actually a video you can find online of them messing with a fully grown blue whale. Hey, don't do that. Not to eat it, just messing with it. (laughs) (laughs) They're so rude. These are uh, the trolls of the ocean. So it's a drone footage, and you can see a fully grown blue whale. And then this pod of orcas just come along and just kind of bump into it and keep going. Oh, man. The blue whale's not happy. (laughs) And just does a huge thrash. And it creates a huge amount of water that just explodes above the surface. I bet they loved that. It's insane. (laughs) So, yeah, the the, the blue whale just kind of got got out of there after that. Just like, goodbye. It's It's crazy. So moving on to our final category, aesthetics. So we might not have mentioned this, I don't recall, but aesthetics is how pretty they are. I it's kind of self-explanatory. I don't think we need to go that far it's into true. it. It's literally just the word. Yep, aesthetics. I'm going to give a 7 out of 10. What? Yeah. I quit this show. I can't. <laughs> so I 
aesthetic wise they're very slick and interesting to look at but it's only two colors right they're the best <laughs> ones though like it's the high contrasting like now i want to talk about why they have that coloration so with that black and white coloration they're harder to see underwater so both from above and below we, we talked about this with things like sharks yeah it's like counter shading but also that mix of black and white it makes it hard to discern their actual size underwater oh yeah oh no <laughs> so it kind of makes it to where if you're going after something it it doesn't size you up correctly until it's too late <laughs> <laughs> you think surely i can take this that's not surely. so bad uh-oh oh, uh -oh. No. <laughs> and then sorry yep you uh are already dead <laughs> oh my <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i thought that was interesting that and, is really cool and i already mentioned how sleek they look it's almost they, they look almost rubbery so this is where the murder panda ties back in right yeah they're yeah. They, both of those <laughs> things are correct right so they have the big when i was a kid i feel like i always thought that that big white spot on their side somehow was their eye as if yeah, that made sense like yeah it's almost like a false eye right yeah because it, its actual eye is not within the white spot it's a little bit forward and a little bit lower than that white spot it's, it's a little teeny little eye yeah so when I was a kid, I feel like I thought that was the eye, like some like anime style, like big <laughs> giant white eye that it had. And then I, when I grew up and I realized that like where their eye was, I was like, oh, yeah, oh. Yeah. Anywho, yeah, aesthetic seven out of ten. Very good. Um, let's talk talk about their conservation status a little bit. Surprisingly, on the IUCN, they are listed as data deficient. Oh, yeah. So uh, NOAA has a little bit more information about this, or the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. That is a, a U.S. organization. So they are protected under the Marine Mammal Protection Act, uh, which was passed by the U.S. Congress in 1972, and that covers all marine mammals. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And so that, that what that establishes things like don't harass the animals. <laughs> Why would you want to? It's ill-advised. <laughs> you would be surprised. <laughs> but Well, I feel like if you're going to go bother orcas, that's probably the one thing you really don't want. They're going to bother you back, and it's not going to end in your favor. Yeah, generally you stay away from whales. But um, only one population in the U.S. is listed as endangered under the Endangered Species Act, and that is the southern resident population, whose range goes from California to southeast Alaska. So that's on the United States western coast. Uh, NOAA estimates that the global population for orcas is around 50,000. And their threats include lack of food, contaminants like water, uh, like wastewater and pesticide. And the problem with that is that it starts at the bottom of the food chain and moves its way up as things eat them. So what happens is the, the orcas will be eating contaminated prey and because of how long they live and the fact that those toxins are stored in its blubber, it becomes a real problem. Uh, they are also susceptible to oil spills and disturbance from vessels and sounds made from those vessels since they depend on echolocation and also communication. Uh, NOAA lists a couple of ways of how you can help orcas. So one is to choose land-based whale watching when possible. The idea is the fewer vessels in the water, the better, because the more vessels there are out in the water, the more disturbance there is for them. Uh, also to report marine life in distress. So a lot of the times in the news, you'll see stories of whales being trapped in uh, like canals and that sort of thing. It's a good opportunity to contact your local organization and let them know about that. Or even if there's a beached whale or an already deceased whale. 
What if you call for a beached whale and the whale's like, "No, I got this. No, I, it's it's on purpose. I'm doing the I'm doing a whole thing. Don't." It's the long con. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, uh, if you were to come across one in the water, to keep your distance. Uh, so. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> That's for your safety and theirs. So they they suggest keeping a hundred yards between you and them. That's the length of a football field. Uh, and also to report violations of if you see others not adhering to your local laws and federal laws. So some other fun facts about orcas. Their lifespan in the wild is thought to be somewhere between 50 and 80 years. That's so many. It's a long time. That's so many. Uh, in the wild, there are no reports of human casualties and very few reports of injuries. Uh, the same cannot be said for captive whales. I'm not going to go any further into that. <laughs> <laughs> And f finally, I want to end on their reproduction cycle. So they give birth to one calf at a time every three to ten years. That's really not very many. Right. And it's probably a good thing because they have a 17-month-long preg pregnancy. <sighs> that hurts me. <laughs> so that's almost a year and a half gestation. Absolutely not. I don't think so. <laughs> Pass. And the calf after it was born uh, may nurse up to two years. So, of course, uh, orcas being mammals... They produce milk. Uh, it's not quite the same as land-based mammals. They kind of, they just the calf gets close to where the, the milk is secreted. It just kind of comes out into the water and huh. just trying to get it all into there. Oh, I guess I never, yeah. I knew that they did nurse, but I don't think I ever really put a lot of thought into how. Yeah, it doesn't quite work the same way as it does with terrestrial mammals. Huh. Uh, orcas protect their young, and even the adolescent females assist the mother in caring for them. So they got a, a little bit of a community there. Kind of the, uh, it takes a village. Kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, the juvenile may go its own way, or it could stay with a pod the rest of its life. It's kind of up to the juvenile. Oh, so, okay, so you kind of see some like variation in their social structure. Yeah. They're, that's pretty cool. I feel like <laughs> the, like when you have a pod of orca whales, there just comes a point where it's like, when does that just your ocean, the ocean that just belongs to you now? <laughs> it's just all orca whales, you know, as I, far as you can see. I like to think as humans, we are the visitors. The <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, but now clearly the orca whales are starting to encroach. Like they're coming for us now. They're starting to come onto the land. <laughs> yeah, and... that's, that's my 10 feet of land. <laughs> That's my 32 feet of oh, land. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the orca, y'all. <laughs> Thank you. I had one more thought about the orca. What if the orca whale is trying to re-evolve back onto the land? Like, what if they're just <laughs> trying to make their way back inch by inch? Like, they're just very slowly trying to evolve back into, like... Ungulates. They have a ways to go. <laughs> they were inspired by the moose, the amphibious moose, I guess. Well, I guess first up, they're gonna they're gonna have to cut some lbs. Uh... <laughs> oh no! Can you imagine a ripped orca whale, an orca whale that's been like hitting the gym? SpongeBob did this. Oh my God! You're right. They did. <laughs> you're right. They did. The, the weightlifting animals on the beach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. And that's the future we all have to fear. So. So thanks for once again striking fear and terror into the hearts of everybody who listens to this. It's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> I know that's your your mo. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for joining us this. 
fine evening out in Jacksonville. Yeah, thank y'all. Um, it was really great to be able to look at your faces while I was talking. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Usually I'm just looking at Christian and like he already knows I'm a goofus. So I'm like, <laughs> it's a little more nerve wracking being like, oh no, I can't edit out the, <laughs> I can't edit out my, my awkward moments and stuff. But it was, it was nice to get to actually be interacting with you guys. So thank you. Oh, thank you.